HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, meaning harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here, and we'll be talking about cider, making cider, fruit regions in, in Europe with um, some good friends. We're going to go around the room, and everyone's going to introduce themselves. Remember, don't forget, we're on heritageradionetwork.org. So, Tom. Hello, Jimmy. This is Tom Oliver from Oliver's Cider and Perry in Oakland, in Herefordshire, and uh, it's great to be talking to you again. That's great, man. You're you're a legend. And Martin, hello. Yes. Uh, well, I'm I'm a cider maker in, in in the second best region in the UK, down in down in Somerset. Yeah. And, w- and what's your name? And what's the name of your cider? Um, uh, yeah, I'm from I'm from Pilton Cider. And you're Mar- Martin Berkeley. Yes. Okay. And Vitaly. Uh, my name is uh, Vitaly. <clears throat> I'm from Ukraine. I'm a cider and meat maker from Kiev, and uh, my cidery have name uh, Berland. Berland, and um, so we're you know we started talking to Vitaly uh, on Facebook. Some of you may know that his uh, cidery Berland was destroyed uh, in Ukraine by some bombs. Um, but we we got together with Tom and Martin, and there's a lot we have in common to talk about. But Tom, let's just get started with you. So we're, we're catching up. Um, Bristol Cider Salon, you had Vitaly there last year, inspired by our Franklin County Cider Days in, in Massachusetts. Very much so. Um, after being invited over to Franklin County a number of times, uh, what really inspired me was the uh, reception that ciders got in the salons that they ran, in a, usually in a big tent on a recreation ground somewhere. And it was just 
if for a, for a, for a maker, it's just really inspiring when you get all the local people coming, and they they really get into the whole flavor of the event, which is you don't have very long to stop with each cider maker to taste their cider. And so it's like a sort of cider speed dating affair. <laughs> and and everyone's, you know, really intent. They can ask a quick question or so, but in order to get around them all, they just have to take a sip and then go on. But it really builds up uh, the, the understanding of cider and how much variety there is and the great excitement is, of course, they can always come the next year and try more. So, we, you know, I love this thing. And uh, Martin Barkley and me, then we got together back in Bristol. And we really wanted to put on a, an event with a similar flavor. Uh, and our focus was going to be the 750 ml sharing bottle and all the progress and innovation that's happened in cider in the UK in, you know, over recent years. Um, so I went back to Franklin counties and asked the committee for their blessing to use the name, which they generously uh, did. And indeed, most of them have been over to visit us uh, since then as well. And uh, we're up and running. And I suppose Martin is well placed to tell you all about what we're doing this year. That's great. Hey, Martin. Hello. Hi. Um, yeah, well, uh, I, I'd never actually been to the Franklin counties um event but but tom's often talked about how fantastic it is um so it's it's and it's worked really well in the uk whereas whereas perhaps we've had quite a few makers um doing um interesting things but tending perhaps to do it all by themselves so this was one of the first times when 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 the small producers who are making our style of cider actually got together in the same venue um, uh, to to put on an event, which was really inspiring for the for the producers uh, to to find out that they weren't alone uh, making cider in their in their cold dark barns by themselves, um, and uh, <laughs> there was lots of other people out there, and and to have that excitement that Tom talks about um, uh, of, of of having too many ciders to taste and not quite enough time to taste them all uh, is, is a great way to to showcase what we can do. That's great, and I I know a little bit about Tom, but but for you, Martin, what's Pilton, and um, you know how long have you been doing it, and and it's you know it represents the the region that you're in. Yeah, very very much so. So we're we're a little bit different from Tom in that we don't have our own orchards, but we're we're very lucky that there are lots and lots of old orchards. There's a, there's a long history of of cider growing in our in our region in the in the southwest. Of England in um, Somerset, where we are, so we're we're able to get lots of fantastic classic cider varieties um, from from these old orchards, which works very well with our our method of cider making that we that we um, specialise in, which is something called keeving, um, and that's all about uh, trying to um, make a make a partially fermented cider, so it still has some natural sweetness. Um, so yeah, that that works works well in our in in our region. That's great, and we'll talk more about uh, cider making techniques a little further in the show. V Vitaly, um, just a little bit about what you were doing at Berryland. You know what you were making. I see you've made made meads as well as ciders and beers. Yeah, I produced some uh, some cider. 
and some uh, co-fermenting cider, like a cider with uh, cherry, cider with rhubarb, uh, cider with a grape, some variety of the local Ukrainian grape. And uh, I'm producing a sparkling, uh, sparkling uh, bottle fermenting meat. Uh, dry one, not a sweet, and uh, a little bit same like uh, sparkling wine, and uh, make uh, like uh, some experiment with sour beer, uh, but sour beer is not uh, it's not uh, so commercial commercial position uh, in uh, in our cider, and main main product in our cider has been a cider and berry, and uh, some. Otherwise, some some different type of this position. Usually, I don't use yeah. sulfite. I make a lot of uh, wild fermentation and uh, co-fermenting, uh, maturation together apple and fruit, and uh, apple uh, apple uh, apple juice and uh, honeycombs like this. Make a cidromel and. Uh, for this way, uh, we have a big, big line of <laughs> our product because uh, uh, that part of Ukraine uh, have, have been very rich of uh, some variety of berries, some variety of wild or cultural fruit. And uh, I have been uh, very happy to work in this, uh, in this place. Yeah, that's great, vividly. Tom, so um, just about Berryland, so you, you had him at the Bristol event uh, last year? Yes, we did. We were very pleased to, to welcome him. And uh, with all these really, for, for people used to uh, English and UK cider, uh, what Vital is doing is, is quite different. Uh, and it has a, a, a real uh, point of difference when you come to taste it. And so we find this really exciting. Um, people come in. Uh, really do get to taste ciders that are just not available in the in the UK, and um, uh, I, th I think it's desperately sad the situation that Vital is in at the moment. And I know that uh, the American Cider Association has done a lot to promote the situation in the sense that let people know about the uh, trials and tribulations he's going through. They've done some fundraising and everything, and I think there's going to be a little bit of fundraising in the UK too, uh, uh, in a small way, just to show him that, you know, we are thinking about him, we're aware of the the problems that he's had, and we just hope that sooner rather than later he, he can get back to making uh, those wonderful ciders and me's, etc., that he's just been talking about. Yeah. I, I just saw in The Guardian that um, a Ukrainian winery won a top medal at the Decanter Awards. And when I was reading about it, it, it said that since in 2014 that there was, you know, a lot of changes in Ukraine and that um, several makers of consumer goods uh, were... were were motivated because I guess they weren't able to import or the the, the currency exchange wasn't so good. And I, I think the question I have, it's also for Tom and Martin, is that what, you know, what impact can uh, craft beverages, uh, you know, regional agricultural-based beverages have on, on a small region or country uh, in terms of like economic development and, you know, identity? Because we're talking about a, a Ukrainian winery winning a decanter war, we're talking about Berryland, you know, being in festivals in Spain and England, 
Um, and even for you guys in Herefordshire and Somerset, you know, you've got identities based on some of these drinks. You want to set, is anything stimulating for, for you, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jimmy, there's always a lot that's stimulating for me. Uh, I think I think this is the this is for me one of the keys about cider. Uh, it, it is it is a drink rooted in, in in the apple, and the apple is grown in uh, many many parts of the world, and it provides a real commonality uh, for everybody. So it, from that, people love to travel. They love to taste, as you say, the local food and drink. And, and I'm going to suggest that the amount of uh, tourism and and visitor time spent just between cider makers alone uh, is is phenomenal. So as makers, we definitely travel the world, tasting cider, visiting people, um, and you know we've we've got again more guest cider makers coming this year, and from the states, um, we've got the wonderful Christine Walter from Bowman's. Uh, we've got Scott Katzmer from the Seattle Cider Company. And Chris Kazaks, who's uh, representing Eden Cider, so or, this is this is great that that people and their ciders will travel to different countries so that people can taste what they're doing and taste the taste of the region that they come from. Uh, I, uh, I just find it really exciting. And for you, Tom, you know Herefordshire. I mean, uh, you know Oliver Cider. Many of us have had, but if you haven't, you know what what is what is Herefordshire cider and perry. Okay, so it, it really, in a nutshell, if we're talking about the cider apples that we've been growing here for the last couple of hundred years, were rooted in tannic cider. So these are these are apples grown specifically for making cider. Uh, they have acidity for the most part. They have some sweetness, but what they mostly have is tannins, and these tannins are phenolic compounds. They contribute to astringency and bitterness. But they're really responsible too for mouthfeel uh, and for the length of the drink. And uh, the impression that it leaves a lot of people with is a bit of dryness and maybe some sourness. When that's combined with the right acidity and the right sweetness, then you get a, a, a drink that, you know, obviously we think is uh, the most excellent of ciders. And um, uh, we continue to try and persuade people everywhere that this is the case. Great. And then Martin, for you, tell us about Keeving, you know, why you do it. Is is it something unique to, to your your region or to, to, to your cider making? Um well um yes, I guess, I guess um no it no it is it isn't a particular uh, at, at all at the moment to our region. There's not many people who use this method in the UK, but it, it, it is pretty widespread in, in northern France. So a typical French cider would be made by the, this method of, of keeving. Um, but uh, when, when we naively started making cider, which, which was all because of this great um, volume of, of cider orchards that there are in the area, and it just seems so sad to see the, the fruit going to waste, such great quality. So we, we um, started making cider, and my wife had been brought up in France, so she was very keen to to try for for me to make this keeved method cider. So um, that that was basically how we, how we got into it. But but it it, it makes a special um, different type of sweetness because the, the 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 sweetness has come from the apple, so fructose sweetness rather than a sucrose sugar sweetness. So it's it's it, it Definitely did give a different mouthfeel and a different different taste. 
So we were making cider for quite a while by ourselves and selling it local as a locally as a local product. But it wasn't until I went traveling, particularly to the US, to 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 look back and see how how British cider is is perceived from other countries in the world that I realized really what what a really special product we had, which perhaps isn't valued as much as it should be locally. Um, and and it's only when when you look at it from from further afield that you that you see the true quality. So, so it was it, it was great to do events like Cider Salon where you have that mixture of of different producers coming from around the world and and uh, again um, to to give more confidence to the our local producers that that we really do have some fantastic apples to work with. So it sounds like your Somerset's very interesting region. You have toast and Somerset cheddar for breakfast often. <laughs> <laughs> indeed and in, in, indeed yes well we we get we get a fair amount of rain so the grass grows well uh, which which makes lots of uh, good cheese um and um helps the apples grow as well um to 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 grow grow good orchards yeah vitali vitali excuse me vitali uh just yes. tell us more about where your region before the war you know what the, you grew berries, you made meads. T- tell us just about some of the other ingredients that are grown around you and some of the foods that, that you would pair with, with your drinks. Give us a little uh, local color. Uh, you see, we use about 11 different vari- varieties of the apple and four different varieties of the peel and uh, some uh, wild peel from, from wild forest peel and uh, we have a good pairing with the local uh, local village cheese and um, uh, bread and cheese it's i think it's better to do it <laughs> with uh, our uh, our beverages and um, uh, usually uh, uh, meat uh, or fruit wine with honey or fruit meat have a very rich history in Ukraine because uh, maybe about more or less uh, like a thousand years uh, people in Ukraine uh, make uh, make meat uh, and uh, uh, make uh, a local a local beverage call it uh, uh, peri kvas. Uh, peri kvass is a little, little bit different like a peri, uh, because in peri uh, for everyone use uh, uh, juice of the peel, and uh, peri kvass make in a different way, and some uh, piece uh, got it in the water, and so this water with the peri fermenting can finally uh, have maybe uh, just uh, maybe three ABV, like a two point five ABV, uh, very freshly and uh, very historical things, and uh, uh, a lot of people in the countryside of Ukraine make uh, like a cherry meat or cherry wine with honey. It's the same way, <laughs> or two sides of one meadow. Uh, call it vishnyak. Uh, this is uh, cherry juice uh, fermenting with honey or sometimes with sugar, uh, but I prefer honey. 
and uh, not uh, not uh, so big uh, ABV. Uh, start from six up to ten, eleven, like this, and. Um, these beverages have a very rich uh, history in uh, Ukrainian countryside. Uh, and we are representing our beverages in a very and uh, absolutely different restaurant in Ukraine. Okay. Tom, um, just let, let's go back to talking about techniques. So I noticed that Vitaly has, has saw some pictures of terracotta. I was curious about. He might have be fermenting in terracotta. Um, Martin talks about keeving. Um, you know, at, at something like the Bristol Cider Salon, is there a wide range of, of techniques that, that the, the cider makers are, are using that you see, or is it there more similar techniques? Uh, it, it, there is a wide range of techniques, uh, but I think um, a lot of it in terms of the newer cider makers arriving on the scene all seem to... Uh, in one form or another, rely on multiple racking. So that's the uh, either pumping or gravity uh, drop in, letting, clarifying the juice, uh, reducing, I think, the nutrient and the yeast load in the juice, slowing the fermentation up, and then letting it almost go to sort of dry maybe, and then bottling it and letting it just condition very slightly in the bottle. That's that's a very uh, popular way of making cider at the moment, especially among new new advocates for cider, because it's 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 a relatively straightforward, achievable way of 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 getting a good product. But you know, Martin's keeping a lot of people are are using modern techniques. You know, using filtration, uh, uh, enzymes, yeasts, and all that. Uh, you know, cider is a big tent. There's lots of ways to do it. Um, and you know, I think the, the real criteria that we're after is the cider has got to taste good. Um, that's first and foremost, foremost, the, the important thing, uh, we know, we, we really want people to be able to understand what cider can be and how it tastes its best. And we also obviously make a great attempt at, uh, proving to people the way it matches with food and pairs with food well. So we put on a feast on the Friday night before the salon on the Saturday, and uh, that matches uh, eight or nine ciders or perries uh, with different uh, meals, uh, as it, different courses. Uh, and we're also doing lots of fringe events where people can talk more about um, the, the specialist side of things, the way they make cider as individuals. Um, so, we, we, you know, the... The techniques are, you know, important to make good cider, but really what we're after is people championing great tasting cider in 750 mil bottles. Yeah. You know, you had posted on Instagram a photo from 2008, and I, I'm curious about just how how much the UK cider scenes evolved, because in 2008 you said, let's try something new, single varietal ciders and perries, still not carbonated, in wine bottles with an informative label and pair with food. 
<laughs> now, did, well, <laughs> was that revolutionary in 2008? Uh, no, I, I've, I've never <laughs> been revolutionary, Jimmy. Uh, I've never had a, a, a unique idea ever. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proper magpie, and uh, I'll steal ideas from wherever I can and then try and turn them into a, a cider-facing uh, um, thing. Um, it's just that every time when, when people find cider for the first time, they, they all say, oh, you know, it'd be great if you did this, it'd be great if you did that. And in reality, there is nothing new under the sun. Uh, most things have been done in some shape or form before. It's just the when you arrive on the scene, when you taste things, um, and uh, everybody's uh, as a producer is at a different stage of their journey, and and this is what I find so exciting, and why people sh should be more open minded about, about cider in general, because depending on when you've come to the party, then that's what your experience of cider is, and you may well be talking to somebody who's already done twice. Uh, the things that you're recommending to people or suggesting to people to do. And I think this is this is a great thing about something with uh, the traditions and the length of time that CIDA has. It's always open to being creative and, and taking it forward. And I do think CIDA's, uh, uh, you know, developing all the time, but it's always a slightly tongue-in-cheek reinventing the wheel a little bit, I think. Yeah. And, and, and Martin, back to Keeving. So if you're saying it's... It sounded like radical to me, but when you mentioned Northern French style, I think of like uh, Dupont. That's the style that you're talking about. Yes, yes, indeed. But it, but it is, uh, as Tom says, just just one of many different, one of many different methods. And it's, um, I, I guess, what's also interesting in somewhere like the salon is is the multiple is the maybe the, the commonality of the approach that the different producers have. So everyone's very keen to be working with, with the, the apple um, as naturally as possible. So low intervention, um, which, which interestingly has become more in focus with, with the rise of natural wine. So there's probably a much more um, better alignment with, with wine and winemaking techniques than, than perhaps with, with craft beer, which was maybe more of interest a few years ago that 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 has that has moved on in the in the the, the connections with that insider and and now people are more talking about their pet nats and uh, that type of thing. So using more wine making techniques. Yeah, and and were these techniques already existing in in UK cider making? Is is this more more of a a way to tap into marketing by connecting with? Natural wine. Um, I think yes, definitely. Well, they, as Tom says, these techniques have been around, and they just keep going around, and and, and people get excited uh, when they when they rediscover them, which is which is which then links into the marketing. Um, and um, I, I think I've heard it said that if you if you're selling a, um, a a cider that's been fermented a little bit in the bottle, if you're selling it to craft beer people, then you might call it bottle conditioned. Um, whereas if you're selling it to natural wine people, then it's a pet nat. Um, but but it's it's a yeah. So that's all the marketing. I think that I think that was one of Tom's Tom's explanations. Stolen there, you see, like like a good magpie steal. I, I steal all Tom's best ideas. <laughs> I, I'd been to one one of the raw wine fests in New York a couple of years ago, and and I met some third generation Italian winemakers, and I remember they said, yeah, we're we're basically we're basically making. The way that our grandparents used to make it now and it, it 
I don't know. That that made sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it does. I, I, also, Jimmy, I mean, it, it, it's also um, I think full kudos to the world of wine, in that uh, they have uh, continuously for hundreds of years dominated the PR in terms of drinks and certainly fruit fermented drinks. So that you're left with the impression that the only decent drink to have uh, with a uh, with food is wine, and and the reality is that cider really has stolen a th stolen a march on them in terms of techniques and everything. Because if you read uh, James Crowd's recent book Cider Country, it becomes very clear that the 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 way that champagne uh, came about was through the use of strong glass corks and uh, techniques and uh, production of glass that was championed in the UK and forced on them by the change from wood to coal to fire the furnaces. And yet, when you read literature and everything, you, you, you'd think that the, the very, that Champagne itself had discovered this technique. And uh, it's actually not quite true. But uh, unfortunately, the cider PR doesn't quite carry the, the dollars and the pounds that uh, wine does. And, and the history and, and the snob appeal as well. <laughs> but what you know what, what's what's nice about your event and when I whenever I think of Herod Fisher's cider, I think of you know top world class fine beverage um, that I will drink anytime. And if you <laughs> next time you come to New York, please I will drink anytime. <laughs> so um, let, I just want to go back back to Vitali 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 again. Um, because I know there's a lot going on, but I'm still very interested. I, I saw that you had been at uh, a festival in Catalonia and Spain and Barcelona Beer Fest. Um, I think we want to talk more about traveling with, with your, your cider and meads and the reception you were getting. I might have lost him, but Tom, maybe you can just speak for Vitaly. Um just a little more about the reception that he was getting yeah. with his products again. Uh, uh, certainly Martin and me uh, uh, last year at the salon, um, I think the, the, one, the one producer that everybody said they'd been excited by being able to try uh, 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 the ciders, et cetera, that he bought was Berryland because it, it is such a, a unique offering. His story is, is so good. And he has a real uh, sense of, of what the, the different fruits can bring to a drink. Uh, he works with honey, which I am in incredible awe of because uh, I, I find honey an impossible thing to work with. Uh, and the way, uh, the way that he pr produces these drinks is fantastic. And I, I think... The, the the opportunities that he's getting now, and I think Martin's right here. This is the world of natural wine has really opened up uh, the opportunities uh, for producers like uh, Berryland, um, and you know you've got the lads from Fruct Stereo over in Scandinavia. You know that that everyone's making drinks that have a, 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 a real cutting edge appeal to you know the new the new cider drinkers in the world. Yeah, and just before we take a break, I want to read a quote from the Decanter magazine, the Guardian article about Decanter, um, the winery in Ukraine winning an award. This is a little backstory, and I feel like it's probably relevant to Vitaly and, and Berryland. It said, 
the number of small wine producers in Ukraine started to grow after Russia's first intervention in 2014. In early 2015, Ukraine's currency devalued by two-thirds, making imported goods expensive and prompting a burst of Ukraine-made consumer goods such as clothes, food, furniture, and, and wine and drinks. Um, so that, that was very interesting. And um, I hope we can talk a little more with Vitaly from Berryland, but I know that there are ways to support them. Um, and we can talk about that after the break. So we'll be back in a, a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. I'm Chaba Perivan, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN, here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred, my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here on Beer Sessions Radio, and we're one of the many podcasts on Heritage Radio Network. Support us and become a member at heritageradionetwork.org. And a big shout out to Berryland, uh, the Ukraine cider maker and mead maker of, of Italy. He was on our first first side of the show. Um, there's ways to support them. Their cidery was destroyed uh, in Ukraine earlier this year. 
but um, check, check, look up Barry Land in Ukraine, and I'm sure there's ways to support. So we got Tom and Martin here talking about the Bristol Cider Salon, which uh, Barry Land had been at last year. Well, Tom, t- you, you, you've also gone into retail. Let, let's hear about what's exciting insider. You know, in New York City, there hasn't really quite been a a cider bar or or cider outpost that stuck um, so far. Uh, uh, Jimmy, uh, this is the, this is the real challenge. Uh, uh, this is obviously what we want to see happen with cider because if cider is going to make any real, you know, real progress, uh, we've got to have dedicated bars. Um, it's fantastic. I understand why uh, pubs, etc., have a range of drinks, but we we need a dedicated cider venue. And in reality, there's been one for 23 years in Borough Market. And New Forest Cider, uh, started by Barry Top, and uh, now run by uh, his daughter Mary, uh, is a fantastic sort of outpost for traditional cider and and for other uh, UK cider. Um, but coming out of COVID, Mary was really keen to to just try and try and broaden the appeal t- and take it up a notch. So uh, we developed a partnership and. Uh, so it's uh, uh, Mary Top and New Forest Cider. It's uh, Tom Oliver and Oliver Cider and Perry. And then we've got the Felix Nash from a fine cider company who's London's most, well, f- first cider merchant for many, many years, um, probably 50 years, possibly 100, I don't know. Uh, so he's come in. And also we've got uh, Ted Duane, who's the cider maker at Two Orchards, and his day job is bass player with Mumford and Sons. So we've <laughs> so we've we've got four people uh, who who are passionate about cider and involved, and uh, we've got this uh, stand in Borough Market. Uh, we've refurbished it in the last couple of weeks, uh, so it looks really bright and inviting. Uh, we're doing cider by the glass uh, in the back bar or in the palace of cider and uh, this is going to be featuring uh, different ciders and perries every two or three weeks we'll be changing over and giving everyone a chance to try them and uh, in the front bar we do a lot of mulled cider in the winter and takeaways and so forth so it, it's it's a, a totally cider based space uh, run by people who, who love cider and who, who want to really uh, allow people to experience how good cider can be. It's in Borough Market, the, the epicenter of food and drink uh, in London. Uh, it's it's where everyone who's uh, coming to London goes to try different foods and drinks. Uh, it's a fantastic place. Uh, there's a huge variety of uh, food and drink there. So it, it is the right place to be. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, the reception to the venture has been really, really good. Um, and uh, I'd just like to quit, get a quick plug in, as you know, I'm very keen to do this. And uh, on July the 4th, um, at the London Cider House in Borough Market, we'll be doing a July the 4th celebration. And uh, funnily enough, we're going to be uh, featuring the three cider makers I've already mentioned. So uh, we'll get uh, Christine Walter from Bauman Cider with some of their fantastic prize-winning cider and uh, that she has won the medium-sized cidery um, of the USA at Glencap and Scott Katzmer from Seattle Cider Company uh, who won the large cidery. He'll be there as well with ciders 
And finally, Chris Kazaks, as I say, representing Eden Cider. And uh, Eleanor, who's been a massive supporter of the Bristol Cider Salon. She's been over a couple of times with her husband, Albert. And this time, Chris is coming over. So uh, we, we've got this opportunity to showcase cider from around the world in one of the busiest markets in London. And uh, we, uh, we are, we're going to make it work, Jimmy. That's great. So I, I understand the appeal of, of a cider salon and the opportunity to, to, to taste many ciders and, and expand the, the awareness and, you know, the, you know, open to the consumers and industry people. But like for a shop, retail and, and what are some strategies that, that you're going to do to make a cider bar work? Um, is it going to be more posh? Is it going to be rustic? Are you focusing on tourism? You know, we, we always see people going to the Basque region or Astorius and, you know, you, they, they've, they've got some meat grilling and there's a high yep. pour. Um, wh 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 why would I go to, to London Cider House and, you know, would I be spending all day there? You know, what, what, what type of experience is it? Well, uh, Jimmy, um, I, I know you have a, a, a fine capacity for enjoyment, but uh, if you did spend all day there, I, I, you would have to drink slowly. Um, it would be no good going too quickly at it. What we're going to try and do is, 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 is champion the best and champion the variety. Uh, uh, we are obviously UK-focused in terms of the ciders that we'll be having, uh, but we are stocking ciders from around the world. Um, that is actually not quite so straightforward with the cost of importing cider into the UK, um, as it might sound. But we will do our best. Um, the, I think the, the way that we think we're doing it differently to everywhere else, this is not a new thing, but we're doing cider by the glass. So we have a, a, a range of ciders, bottled ciders, available every day to have and enjoy by the glass so that you can try... A, a one two five mil sample of a seven fifty mil bottle, and if you like it, you can drink more. But if you really like it, you can buy a bottle and take it home with you. Um, the other opportunity you have is while you're there, you can order uh, a, a, on a iPad, and it'll be delivered uh, to your house. So we're we're trying to make it easier to buy cider, so that you don't have to carry it around the market all the time. You can order it, and it will be delivered. Um, the by the glass is something that means suddenly every bottled cider that we have in stock will over time be available to be to be sampled and to be drunk. Uh, we also have uh, a number, I think it's seven, yeah, seven lines. Uh, so two keg lines and five bag in box lines for draft ciders. So these are a continually rotating draft cider. So I think what we're, what we're going to do is we are going to showcase a big range of really good ciders and perries uh, focused on the UK. It's, it's not anything dramatically new, but I will say that I think the surroundings are bright, inclusive. We've got fantastic staff, uh, Romain and James and the rest of the team. They're all taking on board what we're trying to do. They're upgrading their skills and their knowledge base of the ciders that they're serving. They're really keen to share what they know about cider with people. And I think for, for us, this is the crucial thing, that the people serving them will be keen for people to enjoy the ciders, but find out as much as they can. 
We'll be doing menus, which will give you more information on cider, etc. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of things planned. We've got events planned, etc. We're, we're hitting the ground running, but we're hoping that we're going to be able to listen to what people say and, and just just make it a great experience for going along, drinking a cider, and uh, then hopefully buying more. That, that's it's. I'm already sold. <laughs> I mean, Borough Market, <laughs> premier place for food and markets in London and uh, cider. But Martin, um, tell us about the experience of of, of 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 your operation. Can we go? Is there a tasting room? Um, how are, how are you selling cider, and what's the experience for for consumers? Um, well, we don't we don't do uh, too too much of that. Um, ourselves so we're, we're, we're concentrating really on on wholesale on su- supplying fantastic places like Felix Na- Felix Nash in, in in London and what I think is really exciting about the cider house London cider house um, is that it's driven by cider producers so actually having Tom uh, directly involved in in the the running of the of of the location is is something really different so there are lots of places where you can buy cider in London, but they they they're very much based upon what what the um, what the venue the venue's idea and approach to cider is. So this is ran the other way in that it's been driven by by the producers by someone like Tom, who has really has his ear to the ground as to as to what's happening um, in the industry. So that's a great opportunity to, to go there and and to get that experience, which is which is really unique. Um, in, in in London and, and very exciting for for us other producers who don't have to um, directly get involved but who can can benefit from the word being spread um, up up in the city but no so we, we we do have visitors who who come and come and track us down um but we're in a small town in 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 Somerset so it's much better for us to work hard making making nice ciders and and send them send them off to 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 where the people are. Uh, but particularly in Bristol, I guess is our, our nearest big city, uh, where, where there's a um, growing demand, a, a nice um, natural wine cider scene, um, and and a strong heritage um, for cider. So those two things together um, are are great for us. But so we very much take take cider to the people, rather than um, relying on them coming coming to us. Oh yeah, and and Martin, in your note, you said. Um... A fun topic for discussion would be collaborating with your competitors. <laughs> well, I guess that's what, what, I, what I'm saying there is um, uh, when when we first started, we we spent a long time, um, I, I guess, like the rest of the cider industry in in, um, in quite simplistic marketing, uh, like a lot of people do, just just trying to say we 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 make the best cider, drink ours, don't don't go with our competitors. Um, and and it, it wasn't until I saw a, a big commercial cider maker who was uh, had on written on the side of a bus, this buy our cider. This is what cider's meant to taste like. And I, I was thinking, well, that's 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 great. That's what big cider is saying. But us small producers are not actually saying anything at all. We're not. We're just we're, we're sitting back and waiting for people to come to us. So so then Tom and I started talking and and it, it, it was when we when we realized that that actually if we work together um and we could pr- promote this great exciting movement that there is um in in the more natural uh, cider making styles that uh, that yes collaborating with your competitors is is definitely the way forward um and we, we haven't looked back since then really well you you you're more more alike than different indeed indeed
you know, and you have such a small market share compared to the big, big guys. Um, you know, th thinking ab again about the London Cider House, uh, Tom, it really does seem that your cider salon and the London Cider House are sharing the same like ethos. Uh, when I go to the Cider Salon web, the Bristol Cider Salon website, it says, "Welcome to the world of specialty bottled cider, discovered meth method traditional keeving." Perry ice and beer cider hybrids. We do. I think. I think the 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 the, the reason being that we're all championing. Uh, I, I'll use this term very loosely: the craft element of cider making, and uh, we're strongly linking uh, cider making with apples and orchards and the whole seasonal approach to uh, the way that cider is based. Uh, we're talking uh, uh, apple varieties are important. Uh, we're talking balance. We're talking technique. Uh, th uh, and all things that are of interest to people that want to get in deeper. Uh, but ultimately, what we're all trying to do is, is just make great cider. You want to crack a bottle open at the end of a day's hard work. Or you've got friends coming around for food. Or you just had a... a, 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 a a celebration you've had your first child you've got i don't know you've just won a good contract whatever it is we just want people to be enjoying cider and for it for it to be a real social lubricant it always used to be the country social lubricant it still is in a lot of places uh, it, it's such a great drink that people just need to be able to find it and i'm hoping that both the salon and the London Cider House are doing just that. They're making it more available. Uh, a lot of the, the, the producers that we feature are all small. We don't have any main routes to market or anything. So the, 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 the more opportunity that, uh, that uh, you know, smaller places can champion these smaller producers, the, the, the better off the consumer and the drink is uh, going to be. Wow. That's really exciting. Um, another thing I want to know is just some great anecdotes from, from both of you. Um, first, what you're drinking, you know, uh, tell me a, a cider that, that you're drinking that I should, that I should seek out in the UK. Um, and, you know, perhaps like a interesting anecdote from your long career in, in the industry. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm drinking uh, a wilding cider. Um, Wilding are a, a fantastic uh, couple, uh, their son, Alf, uh, they are in Somerset, and uh, Sam Leach and Becky have, have made a, a, a wonderful start to cider, and the drink I have got is a rural method, Yarlington Mill and Dabinet cider, uh, big earthy tones, lovely tannic structure, nice residual sweetness, Really, really drinkable and, 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 and scrumptious. Um, and uh, the thing I really want to know, Jimmy, and the thing that uh, is really exciting me, as much as I love uh, the Cider Salon and I love the London Cider House, what excites me most at the moment is what is Mr. Ryan Burke going to do next? <laughs> He's left Angry Orchard and the world is his oyster. I think he's a phenomenal cider maker. Uh, I think he has a wonderful view of food and drink. And I am so excited to see what he starts doing and where he starts doing it, because uh, I think we're all in for a massive treat. 
Yeah, no, he he did some amazing. I mean, not maybe all our listeners know that Angry Orchard. You guys know in the states, Angry Orchard has a more mass-produced cider product. But um, for how many years? Over five years, Ryan Burke's been been making at the Angry Orchard, like innovation cider place, the Orchard in uh, Walden, New York. And he he seems like every year he won the the best cider uh, in New York. Um, what else can you say about Ryan and, and what he brought to the American cider scene, Tom? Because okay. uh, well, what he what he bought was because uh, maybe uh, our listeners don't know who he is. So yeah, so 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 uh, so, uh, so what what Ryan bought was a, a massive enthusiasm for cider and what it could be, and a, an overwhelming desire to learn what apples did what. And he's he started uh, uh, with Greg Hall at Virtue Cider in Michigan, and uh, cut his teeth there, and uh, and then was headhunted, I think, and and moved to uh, Angry Orchard, and uh, they built this fabulous uh, cidery uh, on an orchard in Walden, as you say, and uh, uh, this allowed Ryan to try uh, uh, all all these ideas, all, all these different approaches to cider that you could do to to, to be able to get down and work at them, uh, develop process, uh, develop apples and everything. And I think I think the, the thing that it needs to be borne in mind that there are so many people who got into cider or were made more aware of the world of cider through what, uh, what Ryan and Angry Orchard did in terms of taking people around the world. Uh, they took groups of people to the UK multiple times. They went to Spain. They've been to France. They've they've introduced cider and cider making to uh, cider makers in the U.S. and uh, they really have supported um, uh, Glintwood and, uh, and lots of organisations. So I think they've they've really serviced the industry in a way that is unusual for big cider uh, to be helping uh, and to be illustrating small cider. Many people will argue that, that uh, there's reasons for that, and of course there's reasons for that. Uh, but I think the result is cider itself is a, is a lot better placed, um, and a lot of cider makers are a lot better placed because of what he's, they, they've done. And this was all under his... He instilled this approach in, in Angry Orchard. But I think it's time now for him to, to you know, to let loose. Uh, I, I, I want to see what, what he, he's going to do uh, what he comes up with, uh, his, his, I mean, just tasting through ciders uh, with him is, is for me, one of the most enjoyable, uh, things you can do. And the, the way, the, the way that you taste and the way that you consider blends and the way that you consider how best you can show off the apple is, is, is not something that, uh, everybody's particularly brilliant at or capable, uh, so, so this this is uh, this is exciting. Yeah, and then flashbacks. I, I feel like that even <laughs> when I'm talking to you, both of you, we're still so far ahead of most consumers, and and I think people are just really open to trying more ciders. Uh, Greg Hall and you made a Gold Rush yep. cider. I don't know how many years ago, eight years ago, ten years ago. Tell us about that. And is is that cider still have a is there a place for that? Whatever, tell us what that cider was, and is okay. there a place for it in the market? 
Like, I think it would do well in the States. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 uh, uh, this, this binds together a whole lot of things we've been talking about, really. So uh, when uh, uh, Greg and Ryan visited, and I, I th it was over 10 years ago um, that they, they came to see me, uh, we, we talked wide-rangingly about cider. Uh, and obviously, that Greg had come from Goose Island, and we were just talking about collaborating and what was feasible. Uh, and obviously, it, it, moving cider across the Atlantic is, is feasible, but it's not really cost-effective, especially at the moment. So what we decided to do was make a cider in the UK that exhibited all, all the wonderful possibilities that you get from using tannic cider apples. But what we were going to do was do a nod towards Belgium Lambic uh, cider as well. And uh, so the first few gold rushes were uh, uh, re-fermented uh, with a lambic yeast um, and in, in, a, in a way to appeal to beer drinkers. We weren't making beer, but we wanted a message or a, an idea that would appeal to them. And so, so Gold Rush was a, a homage to the influence of tannic cider apples and, and Belgian wild fermentations. And over time, and we've done, uh, Ryan and me just did the ninth uh, 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 iteration of Gold Rush uh, last year, and it's morphed into uh, a celebration, really, of just wild fermentation and tannic cider apples uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a way we hope that as people get more familiar with cider, it gets to be almost more easy drinking. I, I still think it's a... Uh, uh, it's a big, challenging drink for someone coming to cider for the first time. But over time, uh, and as people get to drink more cider, they all find an element of comfort with the, the texture of it, the mouthfeel of it. Uh, it it's, 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 not, it's, it's not for uh, somebody who doesn't want to be challenged. But at the same time, uh, I've got to advocate that it's a really well-made, balanced drink. And so if you're into well-made, balanced drinks with character, uh, Gold Rush is a drink for you. All right. And now last, with, with Martin, uh, what are you drinking, Martin? Do you want to mention one of your ciders or do you want to give a shout out to to another colleague? Um, well, I, I guess maybe sort of just summarizing a lot of things we've been talking about um, today. Um, I'm actually drinking one of Tom's ciders, but it's a little bottle of um, his Yarlington Mill cider that i've had um in my sort of personal stash um is from season 2015 um and and i've sort of kept it back um from an event that we held um probably 20 uh, you know a few, a few years after that i can't remember the, the exact year but um and it was around the the bath and west show which is a great event in somerset where they they hold a big cider competition uh, the the british cider championship and it was one of the uh, inspirational e events for me because lots of people from around the world, lots of other producers, come come over to that event. They enter ciders in the in the competition. Um, uh, so so I put on a, a a cider share bottle share event um, at, at at my cidery, which just happens to be very close to to where the the competition is. And um, Ryan Burks came came to that, and Tom came, and and everybody brought a few bottles. Um, so it's it's, it's kind of nice to to be drinking that and thinking back to those inspirational times when all the different producers came from all over the world 
um, to in, in, inspire each other and um, d uh, drink good cider together. Wow. Well, guys, I just want to thank you for, for joining me. We did shed a little light on uh, Europe, the UK, and Ukraine uh, cider and mead. Check out, if you can, Oliver Cider, and it's Pilton Cidery from Somerset. With And um, if, if you ever get a chance, Berryland, uh, what was in Ukraine, hopefully they will um, be back. And um, that was it, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Big shout-out to... Matt Patterson, our engineer, Alex Tran, producing intern. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here on Beer Sessions Radio. We'll catch you next time on Heritage Radio Network. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Martin. Have a good Cheers, one. Jimmy. Bye -bye. Cheers. Thank you. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.